the Green Bay Packers did exactly the thing I said I didn't think they would be smart to do yesterday. The thing that fans seem to want to do. That's trade Rasul Douglas. And now they have to answer some uncomfortable questions about the future of this franchise. And someone who is never uncomfortable, Lily Zhao, joins us on today's show to talk about some of those uncomfortable questions, the problems with this offense, and a lot more. Let's get it. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, the lowest price guaranteed. It's Game Time. If you want to hear all of the reasons why I didn't think it was smart for the Green Bay Packers to want to trade Russell Douglas, why I didn't think it was smart for fans to want to trade Russell Douglas, go listen to yesterday's show. I don't want to bore you and be redundant with all of that. And I understand not everyone listens to every show. And if you don't, why not? Like we have fun here every day. Every day is shout out. I appreciate you. So I don't I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. We got to talk to the Lizao about this offense and a lot of other things unrelated to Russell Douglas, but understand we did tape that interview like mere moments. <laughs> and I this always happens before the news broke. So um, it doesn't really preempt that interview in any way. We we spend most of our time talking about the offense um, and a little bit about the future of the defense. Understanding Russell Douglas is not really a part of that future no matter what. But what it comes down to for me right now is a third with a fifth out the door. You're talking about, especially we're talking about a high fifth and a really low third. It is a net middle to high fourth round pick is what you're getting for Russell Douglas. The same thing, by the way, that the Packers got for Ha Clinton Dix, who stunk when they traded him. Russell Douglas is a very good player on a cheap contract. I just, if that's the price, I'm keeping him. I don't care if he is not going to be on a team that contends in Green Bay. He's valuable to my locker room every single day. I want to develop Carrington Valentine. Russell Douglas Helps me do that. I want to see if Keyshawn Nixon can be something in this defense. He helps me do that. I want to I want to keep Jordan Love buoyed. I want to keep Jordan Love feeling hardy. A veteran who is going to be in his ear, who has the gravitas to do that because he's a good player, can help the Packers do that. That guy is now out the door. And... What this does, and I wrote about this a little bit in a different kind of way for the Leap Today newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to, is the Packers are now in the rebuild they insisted they were not having. 
And I want to focus on something that is a direct cause of why that is. And that is the coaching staff. What I have come to conclude here, and this is from discussions that I've had with people in the league. It is from reading some tea leaves. It is from, you know, just all of the information that I think we have at hand right now and some of the information that like, you don't have, but I have from some of the discussions that I've had with other people in the league is I think what's going on in Green Bay is Matt LaFleur has outstripped his abilities in his expectations of his own duties. Let me try and put that a little bit more plainly. Matt LaFleur is bitten off more than he can chew. And it started in 2020. In 2020, this was an MVP quarterback reborn in an offense envisioned by your luminary young head coach who looked like a wunderkind at that point, two straight 13-3 and three seasons, and they were on top of the world. Nathaniel Hackett had the gold zone working. Mike Pettin in the second half of that season had the defense working, but it took players only meetings and it took Kenny Clark and and Jair Alexander and some of these players going to him and saying, "Hey man, like we got to do some things differently around here." To the point that in the most crucial game of the season, the most crucial situations of the season, Matt LaFleur called man coverage against Scotty Miller and Mike Patton thought he was saying something that he didn't and the coverage call got blown. And instead of playing too high, they played robber and the single high safety was not good enough to run and Kevin King was not good enough to run with Scotty Miller and so you give him a touchdown and the game is essentially over after that. A lead the Buccaneers would never relinquish. But what happened was Matt LaFleur decided, I need to take more control over this defense because I can't trust Mike Patton to do the thing. And I don't think, I truly, 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 truly do not think this is an ego thing. I think this is a type A personality coach thing. Coaches think they can, the more I control, if I believe I'm in my own competency, the more I can control, this is also a type A personality thing, the more I can fix. And sometimes, and this is a phrase I hate, the Peter Principle, What I think happened was he empowered himself so much. He hired a defensive coordinator to replace Mike Pettin that he could work with, that he's going to help say, this is what we're going to do defensively week to week. This is how we're going to play. He hired Joe Barry to play a defense that Joe Barry was not steeped in. He wanted to play the Brandon Staley defense that Joe Barry had coached for like five minutes. And when Nathaniel Hackett left for the Denver Broncos head coaching job, what Matt LaFleur did was promote his whole staff because they were his guys and they were loyal to him and he could control all of them and it was all known variables. The more he could control, the more he could help. And again, I don't think this is nefarious at all. I don't see it that way. I see this as a very, very good coach, a very good play caller, a very good play designer. We've seen the good pieces here, 2019, 2020, even in 2021. You have to trust your people to do the thing. Here's the problem. What has become clear is in a desire to control everything, 
This is like the, the classic jack of all trades, master of none. The things that he had been very much in charge of have atrophied in a meaningful way. And it turns out the people that he hired to do the thing are not doing a very good job doing the thing. Adam Stenovich, pretty clearly a much better offensive line coach than an offensive coordinator because now that someone else is is in charge of coaching the offensive line, it is regressed. Josh Myers looks worse than he ever has. John Runyon Jr. looks worse than he ever has. Elton Jenkins looks worse than he ever has. That seems like it's problematic to me. Romeo Dobbs looks worse. Christian Watson looks worse. Jordan Love has regressed in certain ways over the course of the season, though. I was just looking at some of the PFF charting. He is actually now in the top half in accuracy in terms of accurate passes to multiple parts of the field and overall in the aggregate. So that's something that I just think is kind of funny because that was like the big knock on him. They're losing these games, but all of a sudden, like he's playing much better. They're still losing because the rest of the team is a disaster. And one of the reasons it's a disaster is because the coaching is a disaster. Matt LaFleur fired Mike Patton, kept all of the other position coaches, and hired Joe Barry. That is classic. Like, I don't want to change that much. I just need to change this one little thing, and I'm going to take more ownership of this other little thing. He hired Riz Bisaccia to do the thing. And the Packers are 28th in special teams DVOA. If not for a reprieve this last week, their rookie kicker would have missed a crucial kick. Their rookie kicker missing a crucial kick was already part of the reason they lost the game in Denver. They've they've biffed multiple kick-go situations where your special teams coach is probably supposed to be part of that. But because Rich Bisaccia is 70 years old, he's not steeped in the analytics the same sort of way that maybe a younger special teams coach might. Matt LaFleur has made mistakes with these coaching hires irrespective of the reasons. Even if I'm wrong about that, he just wants to control these things to try and help for the millionth time, not a a nefarious thing. He has objectively made bad coaching decisions in terms of the personnel that he's brought in. And so I was struck by a stat that Justin Mosqueda had recently where he was talking about coaches, veteran coaches who had five win seasons. And how many of them had over 500 coaching records after that? And it's like the who's who of who's not in coaching. It's like Jack Del Rio and Dan Reeves, the guy that John Elway insisted be fired and they finally take off after Dan Reeves is let go. Like those are the coaches we're talking about. I think Matt LaFleur is better than a lot of coaches in the league right now, but this is something that he has gotten wrong. And in a season where... You expect it to be better because your coach is Matt LaFleur and because he's gotten a lot out of these players in the past. You're going, he can do it. Well, if he can't, now that raises questions about what this future looks like. And I I truly think if they can't turn this around, win seven, eight games, and and that's on the table still for them, given their schedule. They still got the Panthers, the the Vikings with, with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. They've got the Bears. The Bucks, the Rams this week with with Brett Rapine. Like if 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 they if they win those games, that's seven wins. And then maybe you steal one that you're not supposed to win, like seven, eight wins. If they win seven or eight games, I'm not I'm not worried about anything going on. If they win four or five games, 
I still think I would give Matt LaFleur some time. They've now got fifth or five top hundred picks. But if I'm Brian Gutekinds, if I'm Mark Murphy, I'm going, hey, you got to hire a real OC. You got to bring in new ideas. It can't just be you fixing everything. That's not the point of a coaching staff. That's what, that is what is torpedoing Bill Belichick in New England right now because he thinks he can do it all himself. And the reality is no one in the modern NFL can do it all themselves. You need a real OC. You need a, you need a competent DC who's going to bring you new, fresh ideas that is not going to need his handheld. That's what the Green Bay Packers need. And I do think Matt LaFleur can work collaboratively with those guys. He did it with Nathaniel Hackett. Like, I thought that was an interesting hire. It turned out to be a really smart hire. And Nathaniel Hackett helped them in a lot of ways, in a lot of key situations, in the red zone, on third down. So I'm not out by any means. But I do think in a search for answers, Matt LaFleur said, what I need to do is I need to fix this. I need to do more. It is the logical conclusion to me of what happens every time he gets up in front of the press and the Packers underachieve, and that is it's on me. He believes it's on him to fix this. But what that has resulted in is him consolidating power under him where he can't do the things that he's best at with the offense, the play calling, all the things. Like the reason the offense doesn't work in the first half is because Matt LaFleur has to dedicate his time to the offensive line room because they stink, to the receiver room because they stink, to the defense because they stink, and the special teams because they stink. Because he has decided he has to help everyone else. And that's just not the way that this team can win football games. All right, we're going to talk to our pal Lily Zhao about a lot of this coming up here in just a second on Locked on Packers. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are a guarantee fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. Panthers running back Chuba Hubbard got the lead duties in Week 8 against the Texans despite Miles Sanders being available. I thought one of these guys might be on the block at the trade deadline Although Hubbard struggled to get going in that matchup, he should find more running room at home against the Colts breaking down front. The Panthers' power running game should yield better results, but Hubbard can also have a bigger impact in the passing game to deliver all around as a fantasy sleeper. A home run hitter like Chuba Hubbard would be really nice in this Packers offense, I just have to say. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. 
Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. Football season is here and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel, including Locked On Packers. Hosts Nitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchups, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country, that's me, who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Joining me now, someone who is always running the right routes, always playing with good fundamentals from Fox 6 in Milwaukee, Lily Zhao joins us. Lily, it's been a tough couple weeks here. How are you doing? Uh, I really appreciate that intro because I feel like if I played football, I would love for someone to tell me that. <laughs> uh, I'm doing well despite us talking about a loss for the last month, uh, but I'm doing well. Is how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh I, I wish I could tell you, as I often do, that I looked at the tape and it was never as bad as I, I thought it was, and it's never as good as you think it. No, it was it was pretty much as bad as I thought it was going to be, um, and that's not great. And I I am starting to understand what's going on here with the people concerned about Matt Lafleur. How concerned are you, coaching wise, about what is happening, and and the continued mistakes? That is the most concerning. Um, I, I will say this after the game, when they lost to the Vikings, you know, we were asking the guys in the locker room, what is the issue? And 99% of them brought up execution. And so I asked, do you guys know why there are still execution issues eight weeks into this season? And the answers I was getting was, we don't, we don't know why. Um, and again, I think it all comes down to that. You can call the right play. You can do this, that, and the other. But if you cannot execute anything on the field, like you said, if you can't run the run the, the correct route, if you can't make the right play, things are not going to work. And when you're a young team, you need everybody to do their job. That being said, Matt LaFleur certainly has a lot on his shoulders as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. He's dealing with a lot. He's trying to put out fires here. He's trying to, you know, do this, that, and the other. He talked about switching things up in terms of their process, how they practice, you know, their daily meetings and their installs Wednesday through Saturday to say, these guys are practicing well, but it's not translating to games. Let's switch something up to make sure that that happens, right? But like you said, he's the head coach. So if you're noticing that things are not changing week to week to week, You've had time, you've had buys, you've had ample opportunity to change things around and have guys just figure things out and it's not working. You need to switch something up. That being said, I'm not the head coach, so I'm not sure how he's going to approach things, but there certainly is a level of concern in that regard. There has to be. I, I think we we talked in the openly about this idea of Matt LaFleur going back to 2020, that that something changed in the way the organization was being run he felt like he had to handhold Mike Patton at the end to the point that he is calling critical coverages in the NFC championship game to Mike Patton relaying saying, Hey, I want to play man coverage here. Those kinds of things. And that over the last couple of years, you lose Mike Patton and you bring in someone you have a familiarity with and keep the rest of the staff. You lose Nathaniel Hackett. And all you do is promote internally that this is a situation. I posited anyway, that Matt LaFleur is trying to control everything. He's trying to say, okay, I, I just have to try and fix this. And, and I, you know, I don't think he's the kind of guy that that's a hubris thing. I just think he's going, I, I, I got to do this. Like, th this is my job. I got to fix all this stuff. And that maybe he's taken on too much responsibility. And as a result, particularly on offense, 
they're losing some of the details that he would otherwise be able to provide if he was a little less pulled in a million directions. What do you think of that idea? I think that's a very valid point. I think when you have so many things you need to kind of keep your eye on, right? If it just was, there is a penalty problem or there just are guys who just need to run the run, the right route, but everything else is solid. That's not quickly fixable, but it's easier to manage than putting out a fire here, putting out a fire here, trying to get guys to execute, doing this, this, that, and the other, and dealing with your assistants and your coaches as well. I do think that if he is spread too thin, I think it needs to come to him to say, I need to delegate better and just trust my guys that I've hired to do their job. And I will do mine as the head coach and not spread myself too thin. Because like you mentioned, we've seen the product of what that's become, right? I think if you're taking on too much, there's nothing wrong with saying, listen, I know I tried to do too much, but now I'm just going to rely on these guys to do their jobs. And if they can't, they can't, but I'm going to focus on me and being a good head coach. I think if that happens, then maybe we see improvements in that area because you're talking about, you know, a special teams unit that has not done much. The focus has shifted away from Joe Barry and the defense because they have not been the true issue. But now it's the play calls. It's the offensive line. Things are not getting resolved. And it's kind of the same thing week to week to week to week. Um, you know, there hasn't been any sort of big change in the coaching ranks or the organization or any sort of player shakeup. I know we're at the trade, the trade deadline is today, but there's been no big shakeup to try to change anything outside of uh, needing to shake up their process and how they do things during the week. So I think you bring up a valid point that maybe he is stretched to then at this point. Is there a number of wins? And, and I, I think you are more a glass half full person than a glass half empty person when it comes to these things. But is there a number of wins where you go, look, I didn't think, I, I thought it was a good idea to, for Matt LaFleur to be gone this season, but this is just a non-starter or put another way, is there a number of wins you feel like he has to get to, to be safe for next season? I will say this. I, I think regardless of what the win total is, if it stays at two, if it bumps up to three or four, I think he's still okay after this season because I, I think he's given that year of grace to say, listen, you don't have Aaron Rodgers. You, you have a completely young team. This is the route that, you know, the Packers brass wants to go. I think he gets that year of grace to say next year is going to be the prove-it year. Um, so I, I, in my opinion, I don't think there's going to be a number this year that moves the needle in terms of a switch at that position. But I will say if if it stays at two wins or three wins or four wins this season alone and they get kind of in that top five, ten, you know, order for the NFL draft and things don't change next season, then that might be the narrative. But um, I think he is okay for this season. But I, I do wonder what happens with the help around him and that coaching staff. All right, more with our pal Lily Zhao here on Locked on Packers. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. It should just be fun. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guaranteed, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Plus, the same thing is true with your prices. How many times have you bought a ticket and you went, oh, there's a lot of hidden fees in there? All-in prices show your total upfront. 
so you know you're getting a great deal without those hidden fees. And game time guarantee means you're always getting the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. 110, more than 100. I'm not great at math. I do know that one. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem the code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, the lowest price guaranteed. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show, a crossover Thursday. Travis Rogers from Locked On Rams joins me to break down a football game that will, in fact, take place. That's all I can confirm. Yeah, my my suggestion, my sort of gentle suggestion is if things don't turn around, and I, I still think they can be like a six or seven win team. I think that's still out there for them, given their schedule. But um, was like hire a real offensive coordinator, um, someone maybe from outside the system like Nathaniel Hackett was. That seemed to be the best version of this offense, even though I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is some like super genius by any means. And a new defensive coordinator. I think everyone agrees uh, watching this team, like it has to be someone other than Joe Barry. And I, I don't like beyond that. I don't have a, a lot of strong takes other than I think Jim Leonard would make a lot of sense. Um, we'll see who else might be potentially available. Todd Bowles would be an interesting name to me too. Um, moving on to the players here. Um, we, we've talked at length, it seems, and not just me, not just you, not just seems like everyone about getting Aaron Jones more involved. And yet every week we're sitting here going, Oh, well, he had 11 touches in this game. Like this feels like Lucy with the football. Like every time Matt says, okay, we're going to do this. It doesn't happen. Is there someone on this offense that you think if they, if they play better in particular or a unit, if they play better, it can jumpstart this team a little bit. Uh, I feel like I, I mentioned them every single week, but I want to say the Packers offensive line, <laughs> that's going to be yeah. my number one answer. Yeah. If they, if they run block better, if you they still play, win in the trenches, block better. You still win in the trenches. You open holes up for your running backs. You're not getting tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage. You give Jordan Love ample time to, to throw the football. And, you know, it cleans things up. And I, I will say this, if they can shore up those penalties, that will be a huge help as well. But I think this offensive line needs to play better. Uh, these guys certainly were able to last year. I know, you know, David Bakhtiari was injured and, and Elton Jenkins was playing at a different level, but there just seems to be a dip at that position or in that group that I don't know what's going on. And and I think Zach Tom was really candid in the locker room and he was pointing to things that said, you know, I don't know why we're making these mistakes, but their penalties were not communicating. Uh, I think if that unit plays better, that just gives them a lift in that regard to have everybody else around them play better. It is disheartening when two of the guys who you've seen be better than they've been, especially like John Runyon Jr., Elton Jenkins, um, and then Josh Myers is just Josh Myers, just not play to their standard. It is just like, what is going on here? And and I think that more than anything is making me go, Maybe Adam Stenovich was better as the offensive line coach than the OC. And, and maybe all of these guys are kind of stretched a little too far beyond, you know, it's, I, I hate this phrase, but the Peter principle of like, you just keep ascending until you outstretch your actual abilities. And I, I just wonder if that's happened to this staff right now. But at a certain point, the players have to go do the thing. Um, where Where is Christian Watson, Lily? Can you explain this to me? Uh, uh, I don't know <laughs> because we <laughs> talked about his ability to stretch the field, his speed. I know he's been hampered by injuries yet again, but 
he just has kind of been non-existent in the offense. It's it's really just been let's run up the middle, run up the middle, and then throw an incomplete pass, and he's really nowhere to be found. He's got speed. He's got an ability to separate from uh, you know DBs. So why not utilize him? But I think at this point, it's their inability to do anything down the field that's certainly hurting his cause at this point because they can't hit anything down the field. So they're just the defenses are saying, hey, just get your checkdowns. That's what we want. We want this offense to go to their check down or get a short run. And that's all they're able to do. And he really hasn't been a factor when he really should be, because when he's playing and he's making catches and they're able to get the ball to him, the offense just kind of gets to another level, but we haven't seen that in the last month. I don't understand why we saw in the preseason and in the joint practices, these like little shallow crosses that they were, they were sending him on to just get him the ball in space. Where are those? I like, that's the thing that I don't understand. And that's a, that's a core part of this offense. Like you watch the 49ers, they run Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk on a shallow cross like 12 times a game. And I just don't know why that's not a part of this offense a little bit more. Does he look healthy to you? I don't know that he looks all the way back to the guy we saw last year physically. Right. Uh, he might not be, and he might, yeah, he might not be a hundred percent. And maybe that's why they're just trying to keep things simple. And, but you're right. The shallow crossers really should be kind of featured with him because of his ability, but you know, maybe if him not being a hundred percent, they maybe don't want to try certain plays. I'm not sure, but it really has been kind of mind boggling that you have Christian, you have Romeo and they're not really integrated in the offense. Granted, it's been very dis you know, discombobulated at points in terms of just getting 10 yards. Like this offense, trying to get 10 yards is such a monumental task. And it's hard to fathom why. I've been trying to figure out this question because as as we have neared toward the deadline, there have been a lot of discussions about trading veterans and seeing what you can get for guys like Preston Smith and Russell Douglas and Devondre Campbell. And I have been or like very, very anti- moving on from some of those core guys. But I also look at this team and I go, in two years, who are the players defensively you are sure are going to be building blocks for this defense? It's like Jair Alexander. I That might be the end of the list right now, Lily. Lucas Van Ness will, will be on the team for sure. But like, is there anyone else that you're like positive in 2025 is going to be starting for the Packers on defense? Outside of Rashawn Gary? Uh, okay, yeah, Sean, sorry, yeah, Rashawn and, Gary. And yep, yep, yep. I, I, I will say this, though. You know, Quay Walker, despite the rookie season he had, I think he's going to be a key guy in that room. I mean, I think he's played very well in his second year. I think Quay will certainly hopefully... Certainly better, yep. Uh, certainly better. I think he'll be on the team. Um, you know, Kenny Clark. But you're talking... Yeah, you're right. You're talking about those older that veteran guys. That number's big for Kenny, too, and I love Kenny Clark. But like, right, Right. So it's hard to predict, but you're right. It's those veteran defensive guys. Can you rely on them to stick it out and play another two, three, four years and still be an anchor for this defense when you have other players who a want the opportunity and, and deserve it as well, but can they be that impact player? Can they be that, you know, franchise defensive guy that will get the Packers team over the hump? I don't think so, but you know, I think outside of Rashawn Gary and, and you mentioned Jair, it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they are. Like, I think how Carl Brooks and Kobe Wooden probably will still be on the team. They'll be on rookie contracts. I think they've shown enough there. I like TJ Slayton, but like he'll, he'll, he'll need a second contract by then. Um, what does that look like? So it, that doesn't look great. I'm going to, I'm going to end on this Lily. 
It looks like as we sit here today, they're saying day-to-day for Matt Stafford and that thumb. I don't buy it. I don't think he's going to play. They went out and tried to sign John Wolford. Like, it's going to be Brett Rippon. If the Packers lose to Brett Rippon and the Rams, what? Well, it, it's sad. It, it sounds sad, but I feel like that's probably could be a very feasible outcome for this Packers team, unless something oh, no. has changed in that process, oh, no. right? When Matt, I know when Matt Lafleur said we're changing things up from Wednesday to Saturday, how we how we practice, our installs, our meetings. If that part of their shake things up has helped them and helps them win a game, I'll be encouraged. But from what we've seen the last four weeks, nothing has changed. So I, I really do think if the Packers go on a five-game slide, something will be shaken up in terms of trades, coaching changes, whatever. I, I know that's not very popular in Green Bay franchise history to really do things in season, but you have to believe if it's this big of a slide, it's either we're going to concede and we're going to get a top five pick next year and keep everybody intact and just kind of ride it out. It's a young team. Or if we still want to remain competitive this year, something has to change. If that comes with a loss, of course, to the Rams. Yeah, I am pretty close to saying if they lose to the Rams, it's over for the season. Like, I just, I don't know how you come back from that. Um, I did not feel that way last year. I always felt like there was a chance for them to get things right. This looks so much worse than that, that I just, I can't. And it's not even like just a Jordan Love versus Aaron Rodgers thing. Like there are mistakes being made that were not being made last year by players who were on this team last year too. And that's part of the problem here. All right, Lily, let's hope we're having a more fun conversation next week. I agree. (laughs) All right. Thanks to Lily for joining the show. Always awesome to talk to her back tomorrow. Crossover Thursday, locked on Rams, locked on Packers. We do the damn thing. And then our Friday show as usual. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live on our YouTube page, like we will be after this game on Sunday, come subscribe on Locked on Packers on YouTube so you can stay Locked on Packers.